DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time now to welcome in Jeff Grimes. He used to be the offensive coordinator at BYU. Now he's the offensive coordinator at Baylor. Jeff, good morning and congratulations. Well, thanks. I, I, I'm just guessing it must be a low-content day for y'all. Otherwise, you wouldn't be putting me on first thing in the morning. Nice self-deprecating, but you know there are more than a couple of BYU fans rolling around out there who are very interested in what you have to say about this season and the season going forward for BYU and uh, just for college football in general. It's been such an incredible year. But for you, uh, first, personally... um, you know, looking for a new job is uh, can be a wild thing, and college football can be a wild place. How, how did this? How did this all come together? What appeals uh, about it? Uh, how'd you make this decision and and make the jump to Baylor? Yeah. So first, I would say that I was not looking for another job, and in and in coaching, so, you know, sometimes you are and sometimes you're not. Um, and and I, I've been blessed to be here, and, and so thankful for the opportunity that that Kalani has not only given me to be here in this role, but all all the pieces that he um, put in place and the autonomy that he gave me and us with the offense. So I was I was perfectly happy to stay here, but. Um, you know, I know Dave Aranda. We spent a couple years together at LSU, and so, as is often the case in the business, you get a call from somebody on someone else's behalf, and you know uh, that way someone can claim culpability, I guess. But wanted to find out if you know if I might have any interest, and uh, so then yes, maybe let's talk about it, and then. Um, Dave and Kalani know each other, and so Dave did the the thing that you're supposed to do in this business, and you call somebody and get their permission to talk. And so we had we had a couple of conversations, and then talked about what that might look like, and then some of the some of the other things that that might happen. What would the staff look like, and so forth. And um, that that was kind of the timeline, and then. Um, and then Sunday night uh, offered me the job, and then um, of course I I visited with Kalani throughout the process. Um, he, he and I have a great relationship, and he's been so good so good to me about things like this. And then and then to answer your other question, the appeal for for me I think starts with going back home. Um, I think Bear Bryant once said, you can't say no to mama when mama calls. And so, you know, my, <laughs> my mama lives, lives 110 miles from, from Baylor's campus. And my wife's family is, is all in Texas as well. And, um, you know, so, so it is an opportunity to get back home and, and closer to family, especially as they're getting a little bit older. And then, you know, I think it's a place that, that fits me and and will fit my family you know it's a it's another faith faith based institution where um your faith and christianity is something that can be lived out in a in a very comfortable man- manner and something that you can recruit to and embrace and that's something that I've certainly appreciated here even though I'm not a member of the church it's been a great fit for me and my family for that reason and I think Baylor will be as well and then and then I think it's a great chance to work with a guy that, that I respect a lot and think a lot of as a coach. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met and always, always respected what he did with defense. And he and I had a lot of talks about football in general when we were there together. And so 
I believe in what he's doing there and, and um, a great opportunity for, for me to help him get it right. So, Jeff, I don't know how much more our relationship could take. 17 and 18, 17, 18 years ago, you leave my alma mater, ASU, to come to BYU. I get to know you then. I was covering you for the newspaper. But you left me to go to Colorado. Now you're leaving me to go to Baylor. That's three times you left me, but I'm willing to overlook it because in the spring, you tweeted out that you were spending a spring evening when everybody was in quarantine listening to Van Morrison. So I'm okay with this, Jeff. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, at the beginning of all this, one of my first thoughts was, can I do this again? Can I, can I leave my guy one more time? And, and, uh, would I be okay with that? Is he going to be okay with this? And, uh, I think somehow we'll, we'll have to come to grips with it. And maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Van can, can console us out on the back porch. There you go. There is a thing that you hear when people leave to move on, and, and it's perceived. Obviously, you're going home, so nobody begrudges you, and you did a great job here. The idea of leaving a place better than you found it. Could you address that? Because obviously, on the surface from the outside, it looks like you did exactly that. Well, I think, you know, for. For me, it was. It, I, I love this place, and I loved it when I was here before. And I wouldn't have come back if if I didn't feel that way. And so, yeah, being being a part of helping um, Kalani and everyone else involved uh, get get BYU football back to a place where everyone can be proud of it. In in particular, in my case, making BYU offense something to be to be feared and respected and fun to, to be around for our fans to watch and something that everybody can, can enjoy. Yeah. I, I, I think no question that, um, that having been a part of that is something that, that is gratifying, um, and allows me to leave and say, okay, this, this thing is, is moving in the right direction. Jeff Grimes joining us, leaving BYU as the offensive coordinator, going to Baylor, where he will be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Cougar fans enjoyed this year. Everybody wants more. You know, you prefer the number zero to the number one in the loss column. But, hey, and it probably there's some matchups out there they really wish had been played. You know, the Utes and, and some of the other uh, Power Five games are on the schedule. When you're inside the program, Obviously, some of that stuff weighs on you, and you think about some of that stuff. So how do you encapsulate this whole weird, wacky, beautiful, fabulous, crazy season you just went through? Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a lot wrapped up in that question. Um, and I, I think for me, it's, it's the, the, the willingness and eagerness of our players to – to follow us into the fray, regardless of what that meant. And I remember, I remember sitting in, in a meeting, standing in front of the offense in our team room, when, when all of this stuff started to fall apart. You know, when, when uh, I'm trying to remember the sequence of events now, but you know, the Big Ten canceled and the Pac-12 canceled, the Mount West canceled, and you're starting to see these these teams drop off our schedule and. And the guys, I mean, I, I will never forget the, the looks on their faces as I'm standing in front of them and they're going, Coach, are we going to play? Are we, are we even going to have a season? 
And I asked them that we asked them as a staff to, to just trust the process and show up to work regardless, regardless of all the other things, show up and go to work and talked about being in position where we were going to play a, a nameless, faceless foe. That thing that you talk about sometimes as coaches became a reality for us. Um, but their willingness to, to do that, um, I, I really think allowed us to start this season off the right way because I, I think they did show up and they did work hard and, and they were willing to work even, even not knowing what, what the season would look like. And then the other thing that, that I really thought was a challenge this year was playing. <clears throat> it's always a challenge at BYU. Not being in a conference is a challenge. But being in position where we were playing a number of teams who might not have the national respect or acclaim or record that you would have, you would have hoped to have had changes your outlook and it changes it as a player more than more than a coach or a fan or anyone else I think because there's uh, if you're a, if you're a true competitor then yeah you want to line up and and uh, go toe to toe with the Utes you want to line up and, and and play USC and Wisconsin and some of the teams that that we've that we've been in position to play against these past few years, but they, but I, I, I really, really been impressed with their willingness to show up regardless of who the opponent was. And, and I really think it became kind of a part of our identity this season. And so for me, that's the thing I'll remember is just the willingness of our players to show up and work regardless of what the future looked like. I remember years ago, Lance Reynolds, who I believe you coached with when you first got to uh, BYU, was on the staff together. He told me, BYU should always be good in the offensive line. And he was speaking of that they can recruit LDS kids. It's the obvious connection there. So the point being that they should always be good. Now, this is offensive line is where you cut your teeth as a former offensive line player and obviously as a coach. And we've had a number of years where the line wasn't as good as it had been, and now we got it back uh, this past season, and it was very good. And you've got a number of guys looking at the NFL possibilities. As you leave here, could you evaluate the state of talent as far as the offensive line goes? Um, well, yeah, I would comment first on, on Lance, and he's a great guy and a great friend, and, and he and I really worked well together when I was here before, and there's a lot of wisdom in what he said, and I do believe that there are certain positions that inherently should be um, top-notch at, at BYU, and, and all, you know, tight end is one of those that comes to mind as well, but Certainly that's true in the offensive line. And, and um, you know, for whatever reason, ha- haven't had some of those guys. And, um, you know, re- yes, I feel great about the state of the offensive line. Um, you know, it starts with recruiting. And it, it's, it's a matter of recruiting the right guys. And it's easy to go out there and find a bunch of big guys, but they may not they may not move the way you want them to, or they may not have the flexibility that you need them to have. But there are the, there are the physical prerequisites that I think are required to be a great offensive lineman. And, and if a guy has enough of those, then your real job as a recruiter, as a coach, is to find out if this guy has the other things. Does this guy love the game of football? Is he tough? Is he going to enjoy having the opportunity to, to sprain his ankle 
um, or dislocate a finger and then walk right back out there the next series and take pride in that? Is he willing to choke another man out when the, the opportunity calls for it? And, you know, those, those things, if a guy has enough of the physical things, those intangibles, what's in his heart and in his brain, those things will make a guy into a great offensive lineman. Because if he loves the game, then he'll do all the things he needs to do in the weight room, which is where I would go next, you know, and I give our weight room, our strength guys credit because you look at our guys, they look like they should look. They look like NFL linemen. Um, we don't have fat guys. We got guys that are big and strong and powerful and athletic. And so I give Nuu and Justin and AJ and all those guys credit for that. But then there's got to be the, the football development. And I got to give Ryan Pugh and Eric Mateos most of the credit for that. And certainly I've been a part of it because that's my baby. My, my wife always says the worst job in the world would be my, be my offensive line coach. And <laughs> that would be true if, I, if, it, if it weren't somebody that I knew and trusted. And, you know, those guys have done a phenomenal job. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll obviously see those guys leave and move on this year. But there are great young players, and not just young guys, a lot of them that will step in that have played a lot of football already. And, and that matters, you know, um, for, for guys to step in that have already played some. For, for Clark Barrington to play all of this season and having played last year as a freshman, which was, which was quite ugly at a number of times, i got to tell you. Um, but for him to play the way that he did – I think had had to do with how he played the year before um, and having a chance to grow and learn through that. So we've had a number of those guys, and, and then we got some other new guys coming to join. But the, the state of the offensive line is, is great, um, and I got, I got all the confidence in the world in Coach Mateos, and he has a, he has a great bond with those guys. They, they love him and they trust him, and, and the culture is, is back to like it should be. And, and, um, it, you know, as you alluded to, none, none of the other things, none of the things that happened for Zach or Tyler or Dax or Isaac Rex or any of those guys, none of those things happen if the O-line isn't doing their job. At what point did you realize Zach Wilson was going to be projected as a very high NFL draft pick? Uh, you know... I would say early season, the way he was throwing the ball, I just, I, I just, I, I've been around long enough to, I mean, I didn't know where probably, but the way he was throwing the ball and his decision making and just seeing his, him be healthy, um, it, it, it told me early on we're not, we're not going to have this guy much longer. And when I saw him make, when I saw him make the throw that he made. Um, to Dax on third and 15 or 16 against Houston. Um, I just, on the headsets, I said, well, enjoy it while it lasts, boys. <laughs> because he's a special, special talent. And and then throughout the season have fielded calls from a number of NFL teams. And, and just, I mean, I, I'm hearing these guys, these grown men, 50 years, 60 years old, talking with a twinkle in their eye about this young young quarterback in Provo, Utah, and I realized, yeah, this guy's going to go, and he's going to go early. So it was a bit of a process, but, man, I'm so proud of him and how far he's come and, 
and and the way he's grown as a player and as a leader and as a teammate and man he's he's gonna do great i i love the kid and i got all the confidence in the world I'm intrigued how you said, Jeff, that being independent and not being in a conference is a challenge. Obviously, it turned out to be beneficial this season. But what types of challenges are there as far as being independent? And is it something that you believe is uh, something that BYU can be successful at over the long term? Um, Yes, I think you can, but it is certainly a challenge. And I knew it coming in, but I didn't know to what extent. It would be. And I think it's a, you know, more than anything else, it's a psychological challenge. Um, because human, human nature is such that, that you, you, we need something to be aiming towards. That's why for, for all of these years, people who are writing books on setting goals and, and achieving your dreams have made money. Because there's an innate need within us that is to do something more, and we need something to aim at. And I think when you don't have that conference title to shoot for, it can be tough. And and it can be particularly tough the way that the schedule often plays out. And and, um, I I know it's a tough job for for Tom and all the other people that are are involved in it, but when you play – a heavy slate of respected teams early and our guys get up for that. You know, I mean, they've got that, that, that mentality that says, let's go to war. And then you have something that can be perceived as less than that. Then sometimes, sometimes it's a, it's a challenge. And, and I don't think it's, it's a want to, I don't think it's, um, a thing where where the guys ah, our season's over or we lose a couple games and then give in. I don't think that's the case at all because you saw the way that that we battled back, and I, I feel like the way that the team battled back in 2019 really set the stage for this season. But um, I, I do think that's a challenge, and the challenge that I've that I've always tried tried to lay out to to the offensive players is that being a competitor should be part of your identity. And if you're a competitor, then every day you show up, you're ready to go. And you're ready to prove yourself, and it does not matter who shows up or whether there's a, a trophy on the line or whether we're just playing out in the backyard. If somebody challenges you to a game, you're going to go out there and you're going to go and, and you're going to give everything that you got if that's who you are. And so I've really challenged our guys to try to become that 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 kind of team that kind of individual and you know maybe maybe this season will help towards that because i do think like i said i think we took a step forward in that direction with the schedule that we played this year jeff grimes joining us former byu offense coordinator now the new offense coordinator at baylor uh we have heard a lot of theories from a lot of people on what it's like to recruit utah high school athletes to stay and go to school in Utah. We're seeing more and more guys leave the state. Can you talk about the mindset of high school players and how you convince them to stay at home? Granted, you then get on a plane and go to California, Arizona, and Texas and try to convince them to leave home. But when you're talking to the guys about staying at home, because it seems like that's getting to be a more difficult sell. Yeah, I think I think first you have to win. I mean, if you... If you win games, then you'll have an opportunity to be in the home of anybody 
in the state of Utah if you're if you're BYU or Utah or Utah State, you'll have the opportunity to walk into any home in this state because there is a real draw to staying in state and playing for one of these schools. Um, but the challenge is that, you know, sometimes there's something more attractive, the grass being greener somewhere else. Um, and so I think what you got to do is you have to win. And there are, there are obvious advantages to staying close to home, whether that's geography or a family tie or the church or whatever that might be. There are obvious advantages to that. What you have to do is you have to prove to them that you're not taking uh, a step backwards to come and play football here. To come and play football here at one of these in-state schools, you're not taking a back seat to Oregon or Washington or any of the any of the other places that that guys might leave for, and and that can be a challenge because there are a lot of a lot of great football programs right uh, right right next to us here, but. But I do believe it can be done, and I, and I think the in-state schools are, are moving in the right direction. But, yeah, that's certainly a challenge. And I think, you know, our, because of technology and social media and everything else, the world is smaller than it's ever been. And so it's easier to stay in touch than it ever has been before. You know, my, my daughter goes to school in, in Oklahoma, and so, you know, the fact that I can FaceTime with her as opposed to what it was like when when I was in college – 30 years ago, and I had to go use the payphone to, to call my parents or my girlfriend um, or use a calling card. You know, the, those things um, ha- have made it easier for for kids to travel and I think feel like they can still stay in touch with, with home. So as part of that, though, has it made recruiting that much more intense? Because in that respect, the world is smaller? Yeah, I think I think it certainly has. You know, I think I think what you saw. Um, so when I first started coaching, I was I was in Texas and started out coaching high school football, and then I was coaching. <clears throat> excuse me. Then I was coaching. Um, you know, I was a graduate assistant at at Rice and Texas A and M, and you know, then football was pretty regional. You know, for the most part, Texas kids stayed in Texas. And Georgia kids stayed in Georgia. And certainly there, there were some kids that, that crossed state lines and went somewhere a little bit further away, but it would be more typical for a Texas kid to go to Oklahoma maybe or Arkansas or LSU for them to go to Florida or Oregon would be a completely different thing altogether. And so I think the ease of travel and of communication has made it such that there are more players involved. And when I say players, I mean recruiters involved in recruiting the the top kids out there. It's true for coaches too, right? Now at Baylor, you're going to play Texas, and they're coached by former BYU quarterback Steve Sarkeesian, who's been everywhere from Washington to Atlanta to Alabama you guys are all over the place. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. Um, a, it can be a nomadic lifestyle. 
Well, you get to go home, and that is a win for you. Congratulations, Jeff. It's been a, uh, I'm sure it's been a wild ride. There's probably more stories you could tell us that you won't, but we'll just assume that it was a crazy wild ride, and you end up on a, on a high note and a, and a good opportunity to Baylor. So congratulations. Well, thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll always be a BYU fan. I'll always be a Kalani fan. I love the guys that I worked with here. I mean, A-Rod is unbelievable. He's going to do a great job, and, and he, ha- he and I have um, an amazing friendship and working relationship. Fessy is, is crazy smart and going to be a great coach in his own right, one of the best young coaches I've been around. Um, Mateos, obviously, you know how I feel about him, or I wouldn't have brought him here and already talked about that. And and Harvey and Steve Clark, just great guys and great coaches. And you know the the program is in good hands. And and I know they're just gonna they're gonna keep doing great things. But but I'd be remiss if I didn't say how thankful I am first to Kalani and and to Tom as well for trusting me, and uh, and then to the coaches I've worked with, and then and then all the players that have been willing to to let me coach them and, and coach them hard and do it in, in a way that, that, uh, that was a lot of fun. So I appreciate it. It's been great. And, uh, look forward to talking to y'all down the road sometime. All right, Jeff. Well, I hope next, uh, October for Saturday nights for BYU and Baylor, it will be a marvelous night for a moon dance. <laughs> Let's go. I want you to remind me that you send me you send me a tweet that week that week and I'll retweet it and we'll have a nice conversation. All right. Circle October sixteenth on your calendar, people. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it. Good luck. All right, fellas. Take care. There it is, Jeff Grimes, a new Baylor offensive coordinator, former BYU offensive coordinator.